You say, why do you have the Sunshine Choir? Well, I'll tell you, because the Sunshine Choir becomes the youth choir. The youth choir becomes the adult choir. And uh, those two fellas right there, years ago, were in the Sunshine Choir. I don't know about you, but when I was their age, I would not have gotten up here in front of church and sang. And they did a fantastic job. So I appreciate that. And uh, that ought to be our prayers, just make me a blessing. And uh, the subject of our life should be, make me a blessing. Use me, Lord, somehow for your glory. And it uh, used to be, I, I understand this, that, that um, we can always go back and say, well, it used to be this, used to be that, right? And human nature really has not changed that much. But I will say as a society and a world, it seems like we've become very much more self-centered, and self-serving. And um, that ought to be the, the prayer of the Christian, make me a blessing. I want you to turn to Isaiah 44 tonight, if you would. And uh, we've been doing a series on Sunday nights about revival. And um, I'll say this, I was just again noticing our theme for the year let's find out and uh, reading that scripture Jesus said unto him if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth and uh, one of the reasons we don't really see revival today is because we don't believe there can be and God God's not limited right one of the reasons we don't see people saved today is we just don't believe they can one of the reasons we don't see churches filled up is because we just don't believe it can happen, right? right? And we see the thing is we can blame everything and everyone else. We had a good staff training uh, time yesterday morning. I said, look, you know, the bottom line is you are responsible for your walk with God. You're responsible for your life, and we can blame everybody else and blame the world and blame society and blame the church and blame Christians and blame the president and the Democrats and the Republic. You blame whoever you want to blame. But when you look in the mirror, you have to come to the realization that where you are in life is because of the choices you made. It's called personal responsibility. And Brother Junior, there's not a lot of that in the world anymore. So, so we were talking in our Sunday school class, our young adult class, we're, we're doing a series on, on stewardship. And uh, one of the things a faithful steward does, we, we understand we work diligently. The Bible is... You look in Proverbs, look in the New Testament, right? right? God, God expects us to work, yes, and then he tells us not only that, we're to, we're to understand who owns everything. God owns everything, right? Yes, then, then we have to realize that, that um, we're, to, uh, we're to save. And I told them, I said, you know, we look today and we're like, why? Uh, I think I read where over, uh, there's over a trillion dollars in credit card debt in our country. Right. And people say, well, the reason is because prices are so high. Well, is it the chicken or the egg? That's right. right? Because, yeah, prices are high. But when they weren't high, we were spending everything we had. Right? right? We, we didn't put any back. And so then it's like, well, I have to use this because prices are so high. Well, Maybe if we'd have saved when prices weren't high instead of buying stuff we didn't need to impress people we don't even know. This is probably going to go over as well as the message this morning, isn't it? Right? I figure I'm already on the hit list from the message this morning. 
but also that we give generously. And uh, I just think we're in a day where everything is so, when you think about what, what the world has done, society, what, really the devil, it's, it's got us so isolated, right? And just a few years ago we had the pandemic and people got used to not going to church and some of them never went back. You say, well, that's on them. It is, I agree, personal responsibility. But see, the easier it becomes not to serve God, the more people will not serve God. And so I'll say this. Thank you all for being here tonight. Again, we appreciate our guests being here. And uh, young people, you did a great job this morning. And uh, parents, I appreciate you as well. Isaiah 44, we want to begin in verse number 3. And we'll go back uh, to chapter 43 for some context in just a moment. But notice what the Bible said. Now, in my, in my Bible, maybe in yours, uh, at the top of uh, chapter 43, it has a heading that says, Israel reproved for unbelief. They didn't want to find out, right? Then over here on the next page, it talks about the fall of Babylon foretold. And so we get to chapter 44 in verse number 3. And the Bible said, For I will pour water... Upon him that is thirsty. Let's stop there and just say amen, hallelujah for a minute. And floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And they shall spring up as among the grass as willows by the water courses. One shall say, I am the Lord's. Another shall call himself by the name of Jacob, and another shall subscribe with his hand unto the Lord, and surname himself by the name of Israel. Now, again, this is, and I'm, I, I want to say from the get-go, I'm not, I'm not uh, I don't believe in replacement theology. I don't think the church replaces Israel in the promises of God. I don't think, I know Isaiah was written to uh, the nation of Israel, but I also know this, Brother Adam, that the Bible said all scripture is given so I can go back to the Old Testament and I can understand principles and the character of God by what he promised to people, right? And so in chapter 44, again, God's people had left uh, serving God. They had forsaken him. As a matter of fact, if you go to chapter 43, he talks about that. We'll look at it. But God had pulled them out of bondage parted the Red Sea, fed them in the wilderness, clothed them in the wilderness, gave them water from a rock. Uh, he, he parted the Jordan River, gave them the land that they were on, continued to bless them, and they continually turned their back on God and worshipped idols. Again, we're no different today. As a nation, we're no different. As a people, as God's people, the church, we're no different. I mean, we're, in other words, what we, what we typically do is take for granted the blessings of God. And so he's telling them uh, in, in Isaiah that they will go into captivity. That because of their unbelief, that he is going to allow his people to go into captivity. Well, may I say this? He doesn't leave them there. And so chapter 44 He's telling them, he's giving them hope for a revival. He's giving them hope to, to resuscitate them, to revive them. And that's really where we are today. Again, we, we, we don't want to find out. We, we, we don't believe because we think all hope's lost. Right, right, right. 
We, we look at God and we, we look at Isaiah and we look at the New Testament and we think of revivals in the past and we'll say, well, all those were good, but we're in a different day. We're in a more wicked day than we've ever been. I don't agree with that. If we were, uh, the Lord would come back. And so in the church, there's a general desire for, I mean, if you ask most people, say, hey, don't you think we need revival? They say, yeah, we need revival. Church needs revival. America needs revival. There's a general consensus that we need some stirring to go on. Something needs to happen. And so people are mourning over the present state of things. We talked about that this morning, that God was telling us with all the things in Luke chapter 21 that's going on, and the, the wars and the rumors of wars and the, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, uh, things happening, people being betrayed, people thrown. He said, don't get focused on that. When you see that stuff start to happen, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. And again, I'm afraid that we're so caught up in, in Fox News and MSNBC and uh, the, you know all these other things that, that we're missing the fact that the Lord can still do a great work in these last days if you and I will believe. And so when, 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 we, when, when will greater blessings come? Remember, Brother Johnny, I've, I've been in church my whole life. I know you've been in church, others of you, and we, we've see, even in our church we've seen... God move in, in per, some pretty amazing ways. And I believe there's a general desire among you and among me and among other believers to say, God, we need to see it again. But, but the problem is how, how much do we need to see it? How, how great a desire do we have for God to really do something? And so we look at Scripture and we pray and we have this shallow prayer of God send revival. Listen, Having revival is not about seeking revival. It's about seeking God. The result is revival. See, we're, we're commanded to seek after God. We're commanded to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Our, 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 Brother Matt, our, our desire should be to go after him and pursue him. And so our prayer must be that many would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, but that God's people would be revived, that God's people would wake up, that God would resuscitate us and, and breathe life back into us. And I think Brother Bobby mentioned it, that, that uh, a lot of uh, he had read something where uh, people are going to die in the church. In other words, it, it, it's no longer a birthing station. It's just a morgue to hang out in our last days. It's spiritual deadness. It is ritual. It is, it, is, uh, uh, it is not relationship, right? We got to get back to where we're pursuing and seeking after God. So there's more that we can experience if we seek after God. So I come to chapter 43 and I, I mark some things in this scripture and, and I'll give them to you and you can mark them as well if you want to. This chapter 43 uh, the Bible said, but now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Yes. And he goes on and he describes himself in verse 10. He says, I am he. Verse 11, he said, I am the Lord. Yes. And beside me there is no Savior. That's right. Verse 12 said, I am God. Yes. Verse 13 said, yea, before the day was I am he. He said, there is none that can deliver out of my hand. He said, I will work. Verse 14, the Lord, your Redeemer. Verse 15, 
I am the Lord, creator of Israel, your king. Verse 18, I will do a new thing. Verse 19, uh, I'm sorry, that was verse 19. Also in verse 19, he said, notice this, I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Man, Brother Adam, I got that circled. I, that, I read that and that hit me. I said, he's saying that even in this wilderness that we live in, even when there's no hope, he's saying, I will make a way. Even when you're in desert places, when there's dryness, he said, I'll send you a river. You getting that? See, you don't, you don't, you don't have to be like everybody else. You, it, when that, the dryness is there, when the wilderness is there, God's saying, I'm still God. And in the, in the desert, I can send the river that you can't find. Then he goes on in verse 21. He said, this people have I formed for myself. Right. And God isn't here for you. You're here for him. Right. Goes on to verse 25. He said, I, verse 25, I even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake and will not remember thy sin. That youth choir singing about the blood. You know what they're singing about? That right there. Right. So God is describing himself in chapter 43. And he keeps saying, notice he didn't say, boy, I'm getting ready to help myself here a little bit. But John, he didn't say in verse 10, I was he. He didn't say in verse 11, I was the Lord. He didn't say in uh, uh, verse 13, uh, I did work. He didn't say in verse 14, uh, verse 15, I was the Lord. He didn't say in verse 19, I did do a new thing. He didn't say in verse 19, I did even make a way in the wilderness and river in the desert. He didn't say in verse 25, I was he that blotteth. He said, I am. I am is not a past tense or a, a future. He's just saying that's who he is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. See, where you look at yourself as being old or uh, being young, he's just the same. Amen. He's not the big grandpa in the sky. He is the creator. He's the same as he was when he, he, he spoke the world into existence. He'll be the same uh, a million years from now when everything is burned up and he's still king of kings and lord of lords. And he is your God if you're saved. May I say that you and I should be different than religion. We should be different than Christianity as a whole, you and I should know this God that he's describing himself here, that he is mine, that he is, not that he was or that he will be, but that he, I am, amen, I am, I am. He never changes. And so if he did it in the Old Testament and he did it in the New Testament and he did it in 1940 and he did it in 1950 and he did it in your life in the past and he did it in mine, he still can do it today. And he's committing himself when he says, I will. Now notice three things in this scripture I want to share with you. Number one is the covenant. You and I cannot make a covenant because we're, now I know people say, well, marriage is a covenant. It is, but you and I may not keep a covenant. God will keep a covenant because he is truth. And so here in verse 3, he said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Now it tells me a couple things that first of all God is telling me what he will do but he's telling me what I have to be. That's right. 
in verse 3, he said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. In verse 3, he said, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. And so in this covenant, there's a couple things I see. Number one, uh, or letter A, is the subject. Now, you, you, hang with me here because some of you are going to give me the look. You are not the subject of revival. You are not the subject of of what goes on in this service. You're not the subject of what the youth choir was singing about. You're not even the subject of why I'm preaching this message. See, he says here, I, not you. And in chapter 43, he said this. He said, the people I formed in verse 21 for myself. You didn't create God for you. He created you for him. And so the revival should be that which honors God. So revival's not even about us. You, I, now listen, we're the, we, we're the recipients that we benefit from it, but revival is about him. So this covenant, the subject, he said, I, the great subject of this is I. And the eye's not pointing here, the eye's pointing up there. Amen. He will do it. He is able. You cannot conjure up revival. You cannot work up revival. You cannot work up God doing something in your heart and mind in our church in this nation. It must be prayed down and it must be a total work of God where nobody gets any glory but him. And so his word is his covenant. When he speaks it, when he writes it down, he has, he has obligated himself by his word. So he didn't say I might in verse 3, or I, I'll consider pouring water. He said, I will. Yes, will. Now, see, that puts, all the, that puts all the emphasis back on us, Brother Kenneth. Right. God's saying, I will if you're thirsty. That's right? right? Yeah. I sure wish God would move in our midst. I wish God would send revival. Maybe you're not thirsty enough. Right. Maybe I'm not thirsty enough. Let me, let me ask you this. Now, I get it. You're here tonight, and I'm, de- I'm thankful for that. And I'm not going to be the preacher that's going to preach against all the people that aren't here tonight uh, to the people that are. That does no good. Here's what I want to ask you. How much preparation have you made for today? Before Sunday school, how many maybe came to the altar? How many prayed at your house before you ever got here? How many came to the altar? Fellas, every Sunday night in my office, we have men praying. Maybe, maybe you want to stop in and help us, right? Maybe if we had a Saturday night prayer meeting, we ought to have a Saturday night prayer meeting. Well, you know what? Well, I'm for it. Brother Matt, sometimes it's been my family. Sometimes it's been my family and somebody else. See, we like the idea of revival, but somebody's got to pay the price for it. I'm glad we, we, we get to be a part of it, but it ain't even about us. If it's not about him, it's not true revival. So I will is the assurance we have. God's obligating himself and said, I will do this if... Here's the condition. If you meet the condition, I'll do it, right? So the subject, but then in the scripture, he gives us the supply. He said, I will pour. Hmm. Now, I don't know about you. 
But my Bible doesn't say, I'll sprinkle a little bit on you. Right? I mean, if God sprinkled a little bit, that'd be abundant. But God didn't say, listen, I'll, when you're thirsty, I'll just... Remember, remember when, he's, uh, when he's talking about Lazarus and the rich man, and the rich man was in hell, and he said, listen, if you'll just send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and just touch my tongue, one, one drop, that's all he wanted. Well, God's saying this. He said, if you're thirsty, he said, I'll pour. Now, you're pouring, and my pouring Way different than God's pouring. I mean, when you got some good sweet tea that it's the best you ever made and you want to hang on to it for a while, right? You just pour a little bit in the bottom and say, is that enough? Put about, you go to, go to a restaurant, you know what they'll do? They'll put a little bit in the bottom and put like 19 pounds of ice in it. Right? If you ever go to Bojangles and order a soft drink, you will drown from the ice in it. But there'll be that much soft drink in the bottom. You ready? God's saying, I ain't, I'm not putting fillers in there. I'm not, I'm not putting a bunch of stuff that you're thirsty. I'm getting ready to pour it on you. He does all things well. He can do abundantly above all that we think or ask. My grace is sufficient. God's not talking about when he's sufficient. He's not just barely getting by. He's saying, what you need, I'm going to give you more than you can handle. And so the Lord's saying, I'm, going, I'm getting your thirst. I'm going to pour it on you. That's what we need, man. I don't want none of this sprinkling stuff. I don't want a little bit of God here and there. I want it all, don't you? I, I want to see God do something. And, and you know, sometimes you'll have one of those services and the choir will sing or, man, somebody give a testimony and be, you can tell God's moving a little bit. There's a little, little breeze blowing through. But then there's other times, man, it's a tornado. Right? And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, if you're thirsty, I'm going I'm to pour that water. I'll pour water upon him that is thirsty. That's interesting to me. He didn't say, I'll, I'll give you water. He said, I'll pour it on you. I'm going to saturate you. I'm going to give you so much. This pour is talking about the abundance of his blessing, the, uh, the magnitude of his power, brother Brad. He's not doing just a little thing. The Lord does all things well. So he talks about the pour, but then also notice what he said he'd pour. I'll pour water. It's interesting. You know what one of the necessities of life is? Water. You can go, you can go a while without food. You can go, I know we're Baptists. We can't go more than about 15 minutes without food. But your body can go a, a, a long time without food. But you can't go but a couple days without water. God's saying, I'm going to pour out what you need. I'm pour more than you could even imagine. I'm going to give you what you need. Amen. Brother Eddie, that's what we need today. Yes, 
Listen, this world needs to see God's people that are so filled with Him that when they walk out, they, you know, remember what those uh, early disciples? Was it, was it Peter? Was it Peter and John? And uh, boy, they saw Peter and John and they said uh, that, that they noticed that they had been with Jesus. How'd they know that? Because there's something different about them. Some, what's different about you and me? Amen. Why do? Why? Let me ask this: Why do you want revival? That's right. well, I want it because I need it. But why do you need it? Yeah. Well, because I'm just I'm just not feeling close to God. Well, it sounds to me like more. You need some time in the Word and in your prayer closet if you don't feel close to God. Yeah. Well, I'm just going through a tough time in life and I need a moving of God in my life. Yeah, but what are you going to do with it? See what I'm saying? We're, we're making this all about us. I need it. God, I need it for me, for me. I've, I need an injection. I need, I need a pep rally. I need to, man, I need to get on fire for God again. Well, well how long is that going to last? And so the supply of what God is promising is what we most need. He didn't say I was going to give you Pepsi. He didn't say I was going to give you some, some uh, fancy drink, you know, that, that nobody can. He said I'm going to give you what you need. Water. Then the satisfaction. He says, I will pour not only water, he said, I'll pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So he gives liberally. His treasury is, will not be exhausted. God has limitless supply for our greatest need. We say we believe that, right? But here's the thing. To be full of God, you got to be empty of self. You got to empty before you. You say, "Well, I want to be. I want to be half full of me and half full of God." Doesn't work that way. See, you can you can be half full of you, and God said, "I'm not. I'm not wasting my time on you." But when you empty yourself, God said, "I'll pour liberally." Satisfy you like you've never been satisfied. Okay, so there's the covenant. Number two is the confirmation. So go over to uh, chapter verse number four. Now, verse three, he's saying what he'll do, right? But now in verse four, he's showing the fruit. He said, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the what? Water courses. Rivers, yes, there's that water again. So, so the confirmation is fruit. Confirmation is growth. Confirmation is health, right? Spiritual growth, spiritual health, spiritual multiplication. So here he talks in this confirmation about the vastness of it. No, in other words, notice he said they shall spring up, they. Not you, they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. So, so the vastness that spring up, that interests me, doesn't it you? He's like, if you're thirsty, spring, we're getting ready to hit fall, then winter. My wife's going to be depressed. She doesn't like winter because uh, just gray all the time, right? Then all of a sudden around 
Well, who knows in North Carolina, it may be February, it may be June, right? You'll, you'll go out and you'll see a little dogwood bloom. You're like, it's coming, right? The deadness is over. It's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming, right? Days will be longer. Sun will be out. It's coming. Well, see, that's that springing up. And see, when you're hungry, thirsty enough for God, he said, I'll fill you up. And the vastness of it, we have to understand that God wants multiplication. So here's what I'm saying. It'd be one thing if Brother Shane sprung up. He had personal revival. Praise God for that. Well, here, what if he and Brother Johnny had it? What if he and Brother Johnny and Brother Matt had it, right? And we talked about sowing, right? Sow all this seed. And you get more fruit than you sow for. Well, that's what he's talking about. The vastness of it. See, you, we limit God. We'll say, well, God, if you just do something in my life. Why is it you just want God to do something in your life? Why wouldn't you want God to do something in his life and his life and her life? And Well, my kid got saved. Hallelujah. My, my son's right with God. Yeah, but what about your neighbor's son? Huh? What, what about your boss man's son? What about the kid that comes in on the bus? What about, what about the kid in the Spanish church? See what I'm saying? We get so caught up about our personal revival that we don't see the vastness of what God's going to do. We're limiting God. If thou canst believe all things are possible. That's what he's saying. And we're saying, but God, if you'll just do this one little thing for me. Well, why are you putting God in a box and making him this small little idol God saying, if you just do this one thing for me, God. God's saying, I want to do more for you. What would happen in 2023 going into 2024 if we believe God would do greater things than we could even imagine. Because I see it in your face every time I say, I believe God wants to fill this building up. I look at people and they're like, right, preacher. Yeah. Hey, we're having Harvest Sunday. Bring some people with you. I don't know anybody. I bet all, my, all my friends and family go to church somewhere. They can't leave their church. Don't want them to. Go find somebody that doesn't go to church. You mean tell me nobody you works with, everybody you work with loves God and going to church? Every restaurant you go to, hey, Dollar General, don't tell me you don't go to Dollar General. You say Walmart, but Dollar General, man, there's 19 million of them. They just found one on Mars. Right? There are so many people that need, need revival. There's so many people that need Jesus Christ. And, and we're, we're going, God, if you'll just do this one little thing, if you'll take care of this one little financial need I've got, then, then I'll, 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 listen, I'll be so satisfied. You will. But what you, God's already done so much for us. God has, well, I'm tell you what. God has blessed us, blessed this church more than we could ever imagine. And we don't need to sit back and go, well, I just don't think God can, I don't think, you know, church is not important to people. Not everybody. Guess what? Church has never been important to everybody. Everybody, 
Jesus already said way back in the book of Luke that they're going to hate you. They're going to betray you. He was telling his disciples that. When Jesus himself was walking on the earth, now we're 2,000 years away from that. Do we think everybody's going to say, boy, I'll tell you what now. Miss Sharon, she, she invited a lady from Lowe's the other day, and she thought she's coming. She hadn't come yet, has she? But she might. But I'll tell you this. Here's what I do know. 100% of the people that you never ask to come to church are not coming. 100%. You never ask them. That you're not going to go to Lowe's and say, I'm, not, I'm too scared to ask them to come to church, give them a track, but I'm going to walk up beside them and just pray, God, please bring them to church. Don't ask them to see what happens. They ain't coming. But man, we're so caught up in our world. We're just saying, God, do this for me. Right. That's all I care about. Do it for me and my family and my kids. And oh, God's bigger than that. Amen. God's saying, I want to, I, I want to spread this thing. Amen. God, send revival to our church. I don't want it just in our church. Man, I want it in our church. I want it in your house, my house, our church, this community, this county, Amen. this state, this. Our whole nation needs revival. Yeah. But we're sitting back going, well, we're in 2023, preacher. We're in the last days, and nobody wants Jesus anymore. Somebody does. Right? right. The vastness. God's bigger than we give him credit for. Then the vitality. Notice what he says. He said that they shall spring up as among the grasses, willows by the watercourses. So, the grass spring up with little help, right? You might put fertilizer on it, whatever. That's, that grass gets rain. One day it's not there. Next day, see a sprout. While longer, bigger. Then you got to mow it every day. And so, it grows even where it's not planted. You don't believe it? You got a gravel driveway, amen. You didn't. I hope you didn't. I hope you didn't aerate your driveway and sow grass in it. But I promise you this: if you spread grass seed within a quarter mile of your gra gravel driveway, you're gonna have grass growing in it. Am I right? And matter of fact, I got even a better lesson for you. My neighbor has got a wonderful stand of grass that I planted in my yard year after year after year and somehow got down in his and that's my yard brother Johnny <laughs> sometimes it does but that's I'm like I spent a lot of money on this guy's yard not one time he ever thanked me for so the vitality it needs to be healthy right our church needs to be healthy and the health of it is not always numerical, it is spiritual growth. And if we have spiritual growth, we ought, God can trust us with numerical growth. Good. And then the variety of it. That's what, that's what, that's what he said. He, he talk, he's talking about grass and willows. They're not the same. We were out west... We're riding up through the mountains, Wyoming, and I point the girl and say, look, you know what those trees are? Nope, willows. 
And you, once somebody shows you what a willow tree looks like, you know what it looks like. It's different. And, and they're always, Brother Jimmy, seems like they're always down there in those creeks. Right? Now, right, Brother Adam, it seems like they're, they're always kind of around where the creeks are, where the streams are. Can I, can I give you this? That's where you're going to grow at. Where that water supply, that moving water. Right? And so he says grass and willows are different. Willows grow bigger. Grass grows more. Right? Willows multiply. Grass multiplies. What are we doing? We got, we got Harvest Sunday coming up, not first Sunday in October. Say, we got tracks out there. We got visitation Saturday. Right. See, we, we we've tried to do everything possible. You say, why well, we have Harvest Sunday? Just to give you something to talk to somebody and say, hey, we're having Harvest Sunday. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> right? We just we we're we're expecting a great harvest. Amen. Right? It's not like it's some catch. It's just an opportunity. Why do we have Christmas, right? Why do we have Christmas service? Well, part of it, why do we make such a big deal? Why do we have tracks? And Because it gives you an opportunity to say, hey, we're having a special Christmas service. Would you come? Right? And you know what we do sometimes? Well, just having Christmas service. Are the kids singing? Because I... I want to see my grandkids sing. I want to see my baby sing. Was that, was that, I mean, people dying going to hell. We're just, amen. Here's what I'll leave you with. What, what do we, if we want revival, I believe, I believe people do in general. I think they do. What do we have to do? What is the conduct, the conduct that you and I have to have? First of all, prayer that is effectual, right? Every book I've read about revival, every person I've talked to, even Miss Vonnie, when we've experienced it or I've experienced it in my personal life, it always revolves around prayer. What's your prayer life look like? Yes, well, I pray every day. I'm not, I'm not asking, but what is it? Right. I mean, it's just bless my children, bless the church, bless. Or I pray for Brother Shane, I pray, I pray for Brother Jimmy. What are you, what are you praying about, right? right? What, what is, is it time? Is it a time of you worshiping yeah. God? Is it a time of you reverencing God or is it just this list of checking things off because I need to I need to spend 15 minutes in prayer and you know bless this person bless this person bless what's that mean right the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much pray without ceasing when ye pray fervently pray so there's prayer that is effectual. And then our 
personal effort. Well, he said here, if you're thirsty, right? So it tells me I've got to hunger and thirst after something. But also, there, there are certain things you and I, we ought to pray and plow. By the way, you can do both. A lot of time, a lot of time people say, well, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't, want, I don't want to do this and be hypocritical, so until I'm where I need to be with the Lord, I, you know, I, don't, want to, I don't want to go out and hand out a track. You, you can pray and plow, right? Look at Nehemiah. They built a wall and had a weapon, right? I was in a meeting the other day. I may have told you all this, and I saw a friend of mine there. At the, it was at the camp meeting, and uh, he said, yeah, I was there. He said, but I, I left. I left early. <coughs> okay. You sick? He's like, yeah. Then later he said, no, I'm going to be honest with you. He said, I saw somebody there that had, had he's, he's does work. And he said, the guy owed me money. And he said, it just grieved me. And he said, I didn't want to quench the spirit and ruin the service. And so I felt like it's better if I just left. Okay. I said, can I ask you something? He said, sure. I said, do you think you're so important that because you got some bitterness in your heart that God said, I ain't going to show up in the whole place just because of you? Do you think your, your little petty bitterness, and I, and I know him well enough that I could talk to him. I said, do you think that, that, God, is so, that God is so small that because you weren't where you need to be, the rest of us couldn't get anything from God? And he was like, I don't guess. And I said, so this had more to do with you than this. And you know what? People told me that before. I didn't come to church because I, I just had a bad spirit and I didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit for all of us. You may grieve him for you. Right? right? You, you may grieve God doing something in your life. But you, listen, you come in here with the worst attitude you want to as far as I'm concerned. But that doesn't have anything to do with my relationship with That's God. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. I'm just saying this. Let's, let's, come on, let's go. Man, I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow is going to be. I don't know if we'll be here in a year. But, hey, but while we're here, let's go. Let's do something, you know. Let's, you know what, those early disciples, I love this scripture. Man, uh, they, they came and uh, I think it's over there, uh, one of you preachers helped me. Was it Jason? And they were looking for those disciples. They came to Jason's house. They were like, where's them, where's them disciples at? And they were like, these that have turned the world upside down have come here also. Well, think about that. It wasn't, it wasn't millions of them. It was a handful of them. And they said, these guys, have, they've turned the world upside down for Jesus. We're going, well, we're just a little church on the side of the road. What can we do? Well, a handful of them turned the world upside down. What right. wonder what we could do if we'd get like that. Right. Yeah. God's saying, I'll, I'll pour yes. when you get thirsty. Amen. Here's, here's the thing. Are we thirsty yet? Right. Let's stand together. Amen. Let's bow our heads tonight. The altar's open, maybe tonight. God spoke to your heart, you need to come.
invite you to come. Now you just need to get on the altar saying, God, I'm, I want to hunger. I want to thirst after you. I need you. Maybe there's sin in your life you need to confess. God spoke to you about that. By the way, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. You come, whatever your need.